Hello, my friends, and welcome to this edition of On Grace. My name is Jason Brown, and I'm here with two tremendous men, Wayne Hunter and Wendell Van Valen. We'll start with Wayne. Say hello, sir. Hello, sir. (laughs) You're supposed to give your name, Wayne. Oh, my name's Wayne. (laughs) This is Wendell. Uh, Glad you're all here. And uh, we've been kind of picking away the edges of grace for, I don't know, 11 or 12 sessions now. We kind of started out with a premise that I think we still hold to, that grace is not a commodity that God doles out little bits and pieces at a time, but grace is God fully invested in us uh, all the time. And, of course, that translates horizontally into uh, if we're going to grace each other, it means we're fully invested in each other. And uh, one of the phrases we've used a lot is, exploring the possibilities of grace and uh, a way that Wayne has put it oh I don't know four or five years ago is that uh, just this mantra that God is at work in everybody all the time which means that's grace at work God fully invested and so we look and see what God is doing and when possible we participate in it which completely changes the way we relate to people it changes the way you do ministry Uh, it completely abolishes the lines between you know clergy and laity i mean it's just it just we're we're all humans so the question today is so if you're watching to see grace at work in somebody if you're watching to see what god is doing in somebody what what are you looking for what what, you know and so we're just going to explore that and not promise any answers whatsoever right well i think kind of based on what we've talked about before and grace being being invested in someone and being vulnerable to them I think that's one of the things you look for is vulnerability is someone being authentic uh, who maybe because of pain or joy or they let their guard down for a moment or somehow, you know, I think sometimes God's presence overwhelms people and they let their guard down. Uh, Hopefully that happens, you know, when we meet in his name kind of thing. But uh, I think that's one, one place where it creates the opportunity for us to step into that moment with them and extend grace or participate in the grace that God has extended to them. Um, I'm a sucker for reconciliation. If they have a movie that can, I mean, they can have bullets flying everywhere and crazy stuff happening, but in the end, if there's some sort of forgiveness and reconciliation, yeah. it's like, oh, shoot. It was, <laughs> that was so cool. It was worth yeah. it all. Um, but that, to me, that's one of the, the, the starting points and one of the, most glaring evidences of God at work in somebody when there's some sort of forgiveness and reconciliation, mm-hmm. because that is like uber uber vulnerable, right? And in and, and investing, mm-hmm. yeah. I think there's a level for me in which grace was um, or is destructive, and I mean that in the most positive way. Meanings like sometimes I'll joke with my youth that I was just fine and then Jesus ruined my life <laughs> uh, because, you know, I was totally bought into the American dream, you know, totally bought into you get good grades uh, in school so you can go to a good college so you can get a degree so you can get a good job so you can live comfortably. Yeah. So grace for me was a, an invitation to discomfort and an invitation to uh, re-understanding what what life should be and so whenever uh, i see um empathy 
or altruism mm. for mm. me those are the marks of the yeah. the spirit at work mm. uh, no matter where that's at um, you know if if that's um, in a classroom or uh, on a basketball court mm-hmm. or um, in a legislative chamber you know anytime somebody uh, I think chooses self-sacrifice right. or um, compassion over power yeah, or, yeah that 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 to me is um, is grace at work. So let me go back to the beginning. The grace is not just destructive, but it's also um, reconstructive. Mm-hmm. But don't you think, too, what you're saying there, I think I, I, I really like that and agree with that. But I think, uh, and maybe you meant to say this too, uh, or were saying it, and I just missed it. But uh, this idea that anytime someone's life is disrupted, it creates the opportunity for, for them to experience grace, whether that be a negative disruption or a positive one. Uh, whether you know their life is falling apart or something good has come that changed uh, alters it in some way that that is a crack that creates the opportunity for them to to be vulnerable and experience grace I oh think. yeah yeah totally absolutely you said that much better than I did actually um, yeah I, th- I think whenever there is uh, whenever anything pulls us out of the routine that there is right. opportunity for some new understanding or new way of yeah. new way of life and i think that's what jesus does over and over again right. he encounters folks yeah. whether they're pharisees or zacchaeus something right. something is happening that you need to be aware of right. or that you become aware of and things change as a result yeah but there has to be some yeah there has to be something that gets touched in a person what happened to zacchaeus what happened to nicodemus what happened to the woman at the well what happened to these people that changed them from being uh, someone who gouged the public as a tax collector to somebody who would gracelessly climb a tree. I mean, you know, really, you know, and and then say, "Hey, come to my house," and and okay, my my life's changed. What is that? What is that? I thought you were going to tell us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's there. There has to be a certain degree of. I think that's where forgiveness and reconciliation comes in. Because did Zacchaeus say every morning when he woke up, today I'm going to gouge the public and I'm going to love it? Some people may do that. But his response to Jesus indicates that he probably, I really don't like my life. I really don't. The woman at the well, I really don't like my life. Nicodemus coming after hours, I really don't like my life. You know, we talk this way when we get together in our Pharisaic posse, and everybody agrees, but it never has set right with me. And there, and I'm thinking you may be the alternative. So there has to be some sort of reconciliation, forgiveness. It may be a bigger word than that. I don't know. Yeah, I think there, and maybe that's uh, another way of saying this disruption in their life that they're uneasy with where they are and what's going on. Well, you almost and have to be primed for disruption in a way. Do you think? But what primes you for disruption? Is that is that okay? You're kind of getting that? Yeah. But, I mean, you're going along your life looking for prosperity. I'm going to go through the hoops, and all of a sudden something, all of a sudden something, you met Jesus. Yeah. Don't you think you were primed some way? So you're, what you're getting at is that, God's grace was go, was going ahead of that disruption, that God P- possibly, prepared you. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Is that something that that maybe just innate and because He loves us and cares about us, that every person is primed for that? 
the I think it's the God spark in us. Yeah, right. That like I think that we all have this. We were created to be in relationship with God. Yeah, um, and I mean we spend a certain number of years or a certain amount of time, kind of no, I'm going to go my way. I'm going right. to seek prosperity. I'm going to do yeah. my thing. And and the whole time something in, there's this disconnect or this right. dissonance inside that's saying, ah, I'm pursuing this with all my might and I'm and I'm not feeling the best about this. Right. Some way, maybe subconsciously, and, I don't know. And what is it that that makes us vulnerable to that voice inside of us that creates that creates that moment where grace happens or impacts us or we respond to it or whatever. You know, because that, I, I'm, I like, I'm like you. I think that voice that is always speaking to us, but there comes that moment when we dare to listen to it. We quit running or shouting or whatever it is we're doing to not hear it. But something happens when we can't either can't escape it or we slow down enough to hear it. Or, um, I mean, I, I'm not saying that we can manipulate that or make that happen, but. Maybe that's what God just watches for that. See, I got tired of I got tired of fighting. Right. I yeah. I gave in due to fatigue. You, I mean, what what's your story? Did you was it fatigue or was it? Yeah, I I, I remember being surrounded by people who who loved me in spite of um in, in spite of our disagreement. Maybe right. I mean, like they would talk about. Mm. I remember there was a a girl on the on the mission trip where this where I essentially had my conversion experience and she was talking about how Jesus was in the vines. We were pulling vines off of trees, and uh, I remember just thinking that she was crazy. Like I just I, like what are you talking about? Right? These these are weeds and, and vines, and they're cleaning them up. Um, you know. But there was um, long story short, there was a moment where it all seemed to fall into place. Like they had something that I did not. Right. Mm. Yeah. And they loved me in a way that I felt. Uh, they loved me as a stranger in a way that I felt incapable of loving them back. Right. So, and that's, I mean, we're all intellectual guys. That's how come we're doing this is we're intellectual guys. So that's interesting that it wasn't an intellectual decision as uh, much uh, as. A, there's a difference between intelligent and intellectual, right? Oh sure. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh sure. Want to clarify that? Yeah. Sorry. We just like to use big words right. and <laughs> do podcasts. Uh, so what you're saying is it was a heart tug, not a head. Oh, that makes sense. I think that I think it was a both and. I mean, I think like the heart tug sort of reframed the way that I looked at the world, and oh. then I began to right. seek out um, what is information. This heart tug? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I I didn't understand it, and so I began to seek out. I mean, took classes, read books, mm-hmm. went to church. Like, what is what is this? What's happening? Right. So I think it was a little both and, but certainly it was the heart tug first. Yeah. I think part part of mine was was and maybe this is why I framed it this way is that willingness to ask the question or to give voice to the question in my head is you know why is can this be real and why is it not real and you know because I had pretended for a long time that it was real and then uh, but I felt like I was being uh, forced or you know the right thing to do was to keep saying you believe and that this is real and that you agree with all this stuff when I had questions in my my head and in my heart, my experience and my understanding. Uh, and when I gave voice to those questions, that's when I began to experience grace. It's 
what it looked like in my life was the I don't know if courage is the right word, but just and a, a safe place. Just a willingness to be authentic, right, really. Right. Okay, I'm gonna ask the questions that I've been thinking all right. this time. That I've been told not to ask. Right. To some degree. Yeah. Yeah. But you just don't question, you just keep going. Yeah. And that that kind of vulnerability uh, was where God uh, God's grace got in that was the crack, I guess, that got into my life. So we we tend to ramble. No, <laughs> we tend Some of to, us more than others. But if we, <laughs> we have a contest to see who can ramble the most. Uh, but if if we had to make a list, I don't know that oh, we don't do lists. JB actually has a pen in his hand right now. I actually so he do. could Absolutely. make an actual list if we had to. It's a Pilot G two O seven. Oh, that's yeah. I love those gel pen. By the way, they're the best. Do not put it on the table because Wayne will steal it. <laughs> Wayne is notorious for taking pens. I like pens. I will chase Wayne <laughs> out of this office. <laughs> All in grace. Right. These are these are they're expensive, so they're Christmas yes. presents. So yes. I, I yes. treasure them. Yes, and the finer the point, the better. <laughs> That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, so speaking if we, of rambling, you were <laughs> if we if we were to make a list, I, I mean, there one would have. And, and this is always the Sunday school answer, but one would have to be some sort of evidence of love, relational love, that you can't exp- you're receiving it. Like in your case, you said you were receiving it, and you couldn't reciprocate. Okay, what what's with this? And then what you were saying is just the, the willingness to be authentic. So yeah. lo- love and authenticity, right, are, are almost. And in my in my case, I got worn out, but what? But it was kind of in. Love chased me till I got worn yeah. out, and then I had to just admit I'm living a lie. I'm right. not being authentic. I'm. I've got to stop and ask these questions. And maybe the, what we draw from that, if we is, that's how we we can help participate and create opportunities for grace for other people is when we are willing to love and be authentic, and and that those are ways that that people that God cr- finds cracks in people's lives. Uh, that disrupts their normal so that they can respond. It, it's not that complicated. We're imagining, but I, I think we have some material to work with in Scripture. Mm-hmm. But when Jesus entered a room, my guess is that, that what would shake the room more than anything was, this guy is real and this guy loves me. Yeah. Well, I mean, he taught some profound things, and you don't go around raising the dead without raising an eye <laughs> or two, but... Right. I mean, really, everyday life, just every day walking down the street. What did Zacchaeus want to see when he climbed the tree? Right. I want to see somebody who is real and somebody who's who loves me. Yeah. Yeah. That I mean, that, that the other stuff was fluff. Yeah. That was the meat and potatoes of who Jesus. Yeah. And it could be that that other stuff, he'd heard about the miracles and that kind of stuff, drew him close enough to see Jesus, but when he met Jesus in his home, that's what he experienced, was that this guy's real, and he cares about me. Yeah. He, he knows me and still cares about yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the woman at the well re- running back into town, this guy knows everything yeah. about me. Right. You know, this guy, and he loves me. He talked to, he's, he's a Jew, sat there and talked to me. Right. You know, so he's real. He loved me. He right. cared for Valued me. Valued me, yeah. You know, I'm struck by the the mutual vulnerability that has to happen right. there. Mm-hmm. I mean, in some ways, 
Jesus becomes vulnerable, mm-hmm. right? And there are passages where he doesn't. Mm-hmm. He didn't tr- entrust himself to right. yep. to the crowd or whatever. Yeah. Um, but the idea that, I mean, obviously God is not a recipe and grace is not a recipe, but if we were to think about like what creates space for grace to happen, absolutely, yeah. it would have to be uh, you're vulnerable to me, right. I'm vulnerable to you, and in this mutual right. vulnerability yeah. is where we encounter God right. together. Yeah. And I, I don't know how well we do that as a, ch- a church seems like there's really, a, yeah. like a power yeah. dynamic that right. you are in need and we will go and exactly. help you. Right. It, oh, or when we're nail. together, yeah. there's a, as you said, Wayne, a, a, a pretending, a lack of vulnerability. Right. Yeah. And at the very heart of what we believe is the cross, which is God making himself utterly, completely vulnerable to yeah. us first and invites us to respond that way. So, yeah, I think that's, and, and we do a really, job of authenticity and vulnerability it don't even try to share love unless you're ready to receive it mm. and, and, and it vulnerability is the the stepping through that door and saying here goes it's who I am right. yeah you're gonna you're fixing to see right be in my underwear. Yeah. <laughs> oh, law. We close on that That's side. a great picture to close up. For those of you listening, <laughs> Wendell is fully clothed. Yes. Yes, I am. Right. <laughs> Although Jason did offer me a fig leaf when I came in. <laughs> I refused to take it. I'm, I'm gonna, fully clothed. I'm going to cut that out. Right. <laughs> but, but the idea of saying, okay, here it goes. Yeah. You're going right. to see me for who I am, right. and I'm going to trust that you're going to love me. Right. I mean that. There's some powerful stuff that takes right. place in the, in that moment. Yeah, yeah. And and we miss it because we. No, I'm the clergy. You're the lay. Right. I can't tip my hand to you. Right. Or I'm scared. But yeah. Really grateful that you were a part of this episode of On Grace. I'm Jason Brown. I've been with Wendell Van Valen and Wayne Hunter. The three of us serve at Broadway United Methodist Church in Bowling Green, Kentucky.